got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, starting with verse 4. Nehemiah chapter 2, starting with verse 4. Then the king said unto me, For what doest thou make request? So I prayed to the God of the heavens and said unto the king, If it please the king and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulcher, that I may build it. One more verse, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 2. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. Nehemiah in a very unique place in his life. And as we are going into our week of sacrifice starting this Sunday, abstaining from food and uh, media, uh, social media, unless it's part of work related, we're abstaining from that for a week. The Holy Ghost directed me to this for us as the target for where we're going. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to preach long. Brother Dylan's going to preach. I feel he's got a word for our congregation. But as the shepherd of this flock, I felt a very clear direction as we go into these seven days of sacrifice. And I want to title it just real simple. What do you put value in? What do you put value in? Jesus I ask you for the unction of the Holy Ghost to speak through your word right now. Speak to our hearts, our mind, our spirit tonight. Lead us, guide us. God, we want to be everything you've called us to be for your kingdom, for your purpose, and for your cause. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. You may be seated. Nehemiah, this is the closing of the children of Israel's uh, incarceration. You've heard me preached from these stories many times and he is the last one about 400 uh, BC and he is making an appeal to the king that he could go back to what he deems is valuable. If you'll read the story in chapter 2 of Nehemiah he's appealing to the king and the king asks him What's your request? But before all of that, it tells you and gives you a little insight to Nehemiah's disposition and his feeling of displacement from what he lost in that moment. The incarceration, Babylonian captivity is what I'm referring to. For 70 some odd years, the children of Israel have been removed from their homeland, their city of Jerusalem, the place where God said, I'm going to write my name. They've been removed from that. They're placed in a foreign place that they're not comfortable with. A place that they're not feeling. It would be like you and I when you get to a place that it doesn't feel like home. You ever been somewhere where you get uncomfortable? It just don't feel right. That's how they felt. 
But you see, the beautiful thing about God is, as long as I keep what I know God values as important, valuable to me, God will make a way to put you and I where we need to be in the kingdom of God. And though they are displaced, far from home, heartbroken and homesick, God saw fit to speak through a pagan king. What do you want, Nehemiah? And watch Nehemiah's request. I want to go back and rebuild the father's sepulchers. Kind of a unique request, huh, Brother Daryl? Why wouldn't he say, I want to go back home and build my house? I want to go back and build my old church building. I want to go back and build my neighborhood. He didn't say none of that. He said, I want to go back and build the Father's sepulchers. You say, well, man, what good does a grave mean? It had nothing to do with a grave. Here's what it meant. He is talking to a pagan king that don't care about Jerusalem and don't care about the name of God and don't care about some pesky Jews. But there's one thing that pagan king understood. He understood genealogy and he understood respecting the elders and he understood respecting the forefathers and he understood that whatever they did, I've got to look at that and begin to follow suit after it. And Nehemiah knew, I'm not appealing to a king about a But I'm going to appeal to him in a way that I can get what needs to be fulfilled. See, Nehemiah didn't look at the forefathers as an anchor that held them back. But he looked at what they taught and preached as a rudder to direct them for their future. See you and I are part of a church tonight And we're sitting on nice pews And we're sitting in a nice building And we got good air conditioning And we got good music and good worship But we need to understand There's a value that's placed on that And when you and I look at it from the perspective Of God's perspective And say God it matters to you Then it's going to matter to me It's not a hindrance to the past is not an anchor that draws me back. My worship and demonstrative praise. The enemy can't stand it. That's why I love to do it. I wish, my, my brother Michael, you remember when we had a few people that just didn't like us? And what would me and you do? I know you kind of a little bit like me. I knew just how to agitate the fire out of them. I wish some of us would understand when I praise him, I agitate the fire out of the enemy. When I begin to worship him, I agitate the fire. Why? Because it matters to God and the enemy can't stand it. He can't stand when I put value on things in God's word that doesn't make sense. To human logic. Well man we having a New Year's Eve service. This don't make sense. We could be home popping firecrackers. I could be on a barroom stool right now. I could be with my best friends in a party. I could be doing this. What do you and I put value in? Because I tell you what. When God dealt with me about this. 
God's looking down at you and I tonight. And I feel a prophetic word to this church. God's saying, what do you put value in? We can repeat 2021 again, or we can go into 2021 saying, God, I value what you value. I value what the forefathers taught. I value. I want to go back and build. There's, I'm not talking about worshiping the dead. I'm not talking about worshiping a grave. What he was saying was, yes, I want to honor what went on before. I'm going to honor what went on before. And the greatest honor I can ever do by what went on before me is to live and to listen and adhere and receive what I heard. You may tell you what's going to make it through another COVID is I understand the word of God and I begin to obey the word of God and I begin to live for him with everything in my heart. And that shows value to God and it shows the enemy. I'm not here to play games no more, but I need God. But when's my lost loved one's going to come? When's my family going to come? When's this one going to change? What do I put my value in? Do they see me living? Or do they see, see Jeremiah, Nehemiah understood? I got to make sure that everybody understands. I'm not going back home to Jerusalem to build a condominium. I'm going back to Jerusalem that I can honor what was done before me. And watch how it closes. The king says you can get whatever you want. You can head on back to Jerusalem and you can begin to rebuild. And they built the wall in 52 days. But now chapter 28 comes and watch. He gives the whole list of the names of everybody that was involved. And then chapter 8 comes. Brother Sean. And here's what happened. It says, on the first day of the seventh month. Now you and I have read that, and it's just another verse. But here's what you and I got to understand. That one verse is so full of prophetic utterance to those people that they begin to shout and begin to worship because you see they had been gone for so long and now they're back home brother Sean they're back in their home their native land where they know the promises of God are going to be fulfilled in the native see you and I are never more in the promises of God when we're putting value on what God values we are never more in the flow of God's spirit when we realize God this matters to you and if it matters to you then it matters to me God if you're calling me to seven days of sacrifice then it matters to you then God my lost family will matter and on the seventh month what does all this mean there were seven feasts this was the beginning of the fourth one the blowing of the trumpets brother Sean it was the blowing of the trumpet and it started On the first day of the month. But here's how the Jews, just just let me qualify. I'm on the fly, but please just just let let me qualify it so you understand. The Jews had two New Year's. This was their second New Year's day. Nehemiah was writing this on New Year's day. They had the sacred new year, which was the first few feasts. And now they're into the civil new year. And they're going into a brand new seven months. And they're looking at where they had been. And they're looking at where they're going. 
and trumpets begin to blow. And the meaning of the trumpets, there were silver trumpets, which meant redemption. And then there were the horn of the ram, which meant God's creation. It was a sound that only came that God uh, could make. And they made it through that ram's horn. And they began to blow these trumpets as a sign of worship and praise for a new beginning at a new year. Because now they're back home and they're free. I asked somebody here today, what was it like when you were bound? I'm like, Brother Aaron, what was it like when we were bound? What was it like? Let me preach to a saint of God. I've been living for God since Moby Dick was a minna. But there were times that you were bound too. You were bound in things that you didn't know how you were getting over. You got bitter. You got angry. You got frustrated. You got negative. You got cynical. You got, and you prayed through. And God said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to bring you out. You know what just happened? You just blew a trumpet of redemption. You just blew a horn that declared to the spirit world, I'm free and I'm free at last. They blew that trumpet to let everybody know. Watch this. Watch this. I'm coming to a close. Musicians, y'all get ready. Watch this. Here's what it meant. The blowing of the trumpet had threefold purpose. A trumpet was a call to repentance, calling those dead to sin. Because at this moment, this thing was, was, the, was the first day of the seventh month. And ten days from now was going to be the day of atonement. And the blowing of that trumpet meant this, Brother Joe. We got ten days to get ourselves right. We got to, and even the Jews go as far as to say, it was a declaring to the righteous, it was a declaring to the wicked, and it was a declaring to the intermediate, those that, that, that kind of lay to see, and they half in and half out. And when that trumpet was blow, blown, Brother Larry, it was notification to the righteous, we're heading home. It was notification to the wicked, you better get right because we're going home. And it was a notification to them on the fence saying, hey, what are you waiting for? Hurry up and catch up. We're going home and the promises are going to be ours. So as we go into seven days of sacrifice, I wish I had a horn. I was in one church service somewhere between here and Beersheba. And they had one of them shofars. One of them ram's horns, Sister Dylan. And that old boy got to blowing that horn while I was preaching. And he got to blowing. And I'm like, ooh, this feels good. But I took a break. And he kept blowing. And said, Bush Nell, he kept blowing. And finally, I hollered out. And said, hey, horn blower, that's enough. Because there's a time and a season to blow the horn. I'm here to declare in the Indian village, the horn is being blown in the spirit. And you and I are a part of one of the greatest revivals that we have ever seen. I'm not entering my seven days of sacrifice with my head down. But I'm entering days of sacrifice saying, it's time to go home. The coming of the Lord is close. This day of blowing the trumpets, the first day of the seventh month. In typology, it represents the coming of the Lord for you and I. 
It's not an accident. This was at 435 B.C. And the closing of the Jewish dispensation or that dispensation of the law. And blindness in part is going to the, to the Jews. They're not going to see. And God turns to us as the Gentiles. And now God's looking at us at the Gentiles. And as we are coming to a close, I hear the horn being blown again. And God is calling the church. God is calling prayer warriors. God is calling young couples and young people to not just occupy a pew, but to be warriors of the cross, warriors of Calvary. The horn was a reminder to Israel of the mercy of God. And watch. And of the covenantal relationship. Stay standing. Of the covenantal relationship with the fathers. I feel it so strong tonight. Y'all think I'm just jumping up here like a little baby rooster. Trying to push somebody to praise. Push somebody to worship. Trying to... Be- I, I, listen folks. I, I, I don't need... There's something in me stirring. There's a call. See, I done heard that horn. I done heard that sound on the other side. And it's a preparation call. It's a call for you and I to make ready. Renew the covenant. Renew the covenant of the fathers. This church, before I ever got here, is marked by strong foundation. And what it values and what matters. I didn't have to come in here. I give honor to Elder Bushnell tonight. And Brother Elder Carol Bushnell. I didn't have to come in here and clean up a mess. The people here under the sound of my voice believe in holiness. Believe in a one God message. Believe in baptism in Jesus' name. Ashley. The doctrine of the Father. Lexi said she can't find that song. And the last one was. It's a new season. Confound and confuse Satan. Is that what we're doing now? Of his accusations she said she against Israel. So the horn blows to let you and I know we need to make we're sure our hearts are right. We're not doing we need to renew song. the covenant with the fathers. Uh-huh. And it lets hell know. It ain't in charge of nothing. Now if God puts value in a silly old horn and a ram's horn. If God puts value in something that can make noise. Why would you and I second guess our value to the kingdom? You and I got value to the kingdom. And what releases that value is when I lift my voice and I lift my hands and I declare to the whole world and the spirit world, Jesus is Lord. I'm in covenant with him and that's not going to change. And I put value in that covenant. So I don't look at the next few days as days of sacrifice. I look at it as an opportunity again. That God's afforded us to reevaluate, look at, and see. Are I in the intermediate group, Brother Daryl, on the fence? Am I in the righteous group or am I in the wicked group? Whatever group you and I find ourselves in tonight, the horn's not blowing to condemn you. 
the horns blowing to make you ready. And I don't know about you. I'm here tonight. Got Elder Bushnell. I got Brother and Sister Dylan. I'll tell more about it later. This is family for me. I trust him and her. Matter of fact, in my phone, it says Dad Dylan and Mom Dylan. That's just family. And to have my elder and elder Bushnell here. Folks, we're blessed. Family of God together. We got elders here tonight. We're blessed. Here's what I want us to do. We're going to go into the next phase of service. And here's what I want us to do. I'm mean, not in a hurry tonight. Hope you brought you a ham sandwich. In your purse or something. Because I ain't in no hurry. It's one night out of the year. Why can't we give it to God with all our heart? I want us to come to this altar together as families. Everybody. You can space out. We can go all the way to the prayer room walls. That way there's no COVID. You can be spaced and all this stuff. Wear a mask. Whatever you want to do. But I want us to come as a family tonight. And here's why. Listen. We're coming as a challenge to what the Holy Ghost has given us. Precluding or preluding these seven days of sacrifice. And when you come to the front, here's what we're saying. God, I'm ready to make myself ready the next seven days for whatever you want to do in my life. I want you to come now. And when you come, I want you to lift your hands with all your, with all your might. Lift your hands. Families, I'd want you to be together as families. That would be ideal. Grab husbands.